Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We all strive for something. Money, power, traveling the world or relationships. We all have something that we're striving for. So when we achieve that thing that we've been chasing for so long, especially when we do it on our own accord, it can feel so satisfying. The only problem is, it's often the journey that satisfies us rather than the destination itself. So what if you get it all? But what if for some reason, when you do get it all, you're not happy? Could a person like that, who gets everything they've ever wanted and still not be happy, ever be satisfied? Well, today, we talk about a Canadian case where someone had it all, but they still weren't satisfied. And they threw it all away in murderous fashion. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole, and you're listening to Wicked and Grim, a true crime podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. satisfying. I really need this. Yeah, you do. I've already opened mine. Oh. I opened mine in the pre-show. Oh God, that was good. People in the pre-show know that I need this. We, we were talking yeah. about it a bit. And, yeah, they uh, do. Nicole made me wait to open mine here. She got to open hers in the pre-show, which is malarkey. Well, I just beat you to the punch. You did. Gotta be quicker sometimes. 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 Not very often with me. Very rarely am I the quicker one. That's true. <laughs> so usually I'm, I'm take, on the ball. I'm taking this one. Well, you earned it. You earned it. <laughs> um, today, I want to just dive right into uh, thanking our Patreons. We got some heavy topics to talk about before the show. So I wanted to start with patrons if that's good with you yeah okay that's so, good. so we have a few patrons to thank today for signing up we have jacob kathy amanda gross and skylar burr they all signed up over on patreon this week yes they got to hear the pre-show mm -hmm. they know what we're talking about mm -hmm. some behind um, the scenes yes and they also got uh a little bit of a heads up on what we're about to talk about here too because we put a little post in there some very heavy news, a very close local case to us. 12 years ago, Madison Scott, she went missing from a lake just outside of Vanderhoof called Hogsback Lake. Mm -hmm. And Vanderhoof is about like 45 minutes, an hour away from Prince George. So yeah. Very close. Yeah. So lots of times, you know, people go from Vanderhoof to Prince George, Prince George, Vanderhoof. It's mm -hmm. just cities beside each other, right? So... Madison's remains have been found. She was identified today. 
She's no longer missing. Police are pursuing an investigation. It is ongoing. They do not have anyone in custody currently, but Madison has been found. It's good news, but it's, I mean, it's terrible news. Oh man, it's just, I imagine it's just ripped the family's heart just right back open. Yes. So our thoughts are with the, uh, the Scott family. Um, we're glad that Madison can now be laid to rest, mm -hmm. but, uh, and hopefully the family can now kind of continue on their journey of healing, right? So yeah, get that closure they need mm -hmm. and hopefully whoever is responsible can be found. Yeah, that, uh, man. Okay. The fact that the remains have been found, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm sure that they have like someone in custody. Like, like I mean, they, her remains were found on somebody's like property. Yes. But it doesn't appear that they do. So I'm just really hoping that someone is, you know, pays for this. Well, I, I'm assuming here, don't get me wrong. I'm assuming, um, they, they would have found this, like you said, on someone's property. That's where it is. So they have a story they are following leads. They are chasing. They must have names or p individuals involved. Doesn't say the articles only said they don't have someone in custody. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they don't have suspects mm -hmm. or people they're oh, chasing. I'm they have to have suspects yeah. for sure. Because for example, and I don't, I'm not saying this is a case, but what if the property had been sold in the meantime and its new owners, mm -hmm. they might now know who the previous owners were. They just need to track them down. Mm -hmm. That could be the only case. So maybe in a week time, they're caught up with them or who, kn who knows, you know, but it's, um, it's good news, but it's very devastating news both at the same time. Uh, we've had people request Madison Scott for a podcast before. It's a bit too close to home for us. We're not going to be covering her story. However, we will link uh, some stuff down below so you can check out uh, her story if you're interested. Yeah. So. It is a very interesting story and it is one that it kind of like, it shook our household a little bit. I think it's probably shook this whole Northern community because I mean, we all had hope that, you know, the outcome would be better, but then it was also kind of like, oh, like she probably never will get found kind of thing, right? And and mm -hmm. she's been found and it's almost just like mind-blowing. Yeah. And it, literally yesterday was the 12, every year they kind of do a, what would you want to call it? Memorial type thing. It's kind of getting awareness and everything yeah, of, they this, do. of the story. And so like they just had done this 12-year anniversary mark. And just yesterday. So it's so. like, wow. Yeah. So... Yeah, we'll leave those links down below. Um, we do recommend you check out her story. But uh, we are going to talk about some other things. We do have uh, some more news that we're going to talk about here coming up in just a few days, July 1st. June 1st. June 1st. Sorry, not July 1st. That's a whole month away. <laughs> June 1st. There we go. June 1st. We have another podcast we are launching. It's called Fearful. Mm -hmm. So check out uh, some links below for our socials. Give it a search when June 1st rolls around. We'll make sure that we link it and give everyone the uh, necessary tools to find it and listen. And if you know Jacko by any chance from our Halloween specials, it's his podcast. Wow. So he gets his very own show. So yeah, looking that forward to that. Is so exciting. Yeah. The day has come. It's near. Yep. Very cool. Okay. You want to get on with this? You want to get this show rolling? Let's do it. Okay. Like I, like I was saying in the pre-show, I've got like a lot of like anxiety, tightness in my chest because of like the whole Madison thing today and stuff. It's just, it's kind of weighing on me. So I need to 
Oof. It's a, no. it's a somber day. It is very, very much so a somber day. There is, I'm kind of happy in a sense that she has been found. Like that's that silver lining. She could be laid to rest. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, but it's tragedy at the same time. So totally. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, this, this story, like just to say one more thing, the story has been so close to home, like even all over Prince George, like they're still to, in this day, 12 years later, there's posters and there's signage and, and like it has been a case that they have kind of really kept, especially locally in the forefront of people's minds. Yeah. Well, if you drive down the our road, mailbox, our yeah. mailbox has a find Maddie flyer on it yeah. right now. Yeah. It's so. been there for, I mean, it gets like a new one gets posted every year. Mm -hmm. it, once it's like sun bleached and weathered, like another one gets posted. Yeah. So that so. won't be being posted anymore. Well, no, but like I said, she has been found. Mm -hmm. That is good. It is good. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on from that. Let's talk about today's story. So today's story is a Canadian story. And this story begins with a man by the name of Peter Demter. Now, Peter was born on August 19th, 1933. He was born in Budapest, Hungary. Okay. So his family was rather wealthy and well off. So Peter's future right out of the gate was pretty bright as soon as he was born. He was pretty assured to have a good future. He kind of had that privileged um, family atmosphere he was mm. born into. Okay. However, World War II would soon follow. And it would take place, of course, from September 1st, 1939, officially, to September 2nd, 1945. And it raged on in these troubled times with the, of course, communist government and everything. It was not looking good for much of the world, let alone the area where Peter was specifically living. So Peter's family would eventually lose their wealth and their status because of this. Shit. They became impoverished and following the war in 1956, 23-year-old Peter would make his way over to Canada with approximately 200,000 other refugees who were fleeing their country during a revolution of the Soviet Union. Hmm. So like most others who came over, Peter didn't have much money or any possessions. It was just himself and whatever he managed to carry along with him in his pocket, which included a grand total of $8. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's all he had with him when he arrived to Toronto. Which definitely would have been a little bit more back then, but still. Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of makes you feel a bit uneasy, eh? Oh, it does. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective, like I'm not looking up the actual conversion rates from then to now or anything, but just say it's 10 times, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you had $8, it's $80 today. That's not yeah. a whole lot. I know. That's scary. Yeah. Holy. So this, though, wasn't going to stop Peter. He had a drive in him unlike most people. He was going to do something, make a name for himself. He was determined to restore that wealth and status to his family's name. The same name, the same status that it had been, year, been at years before. So he would soon start finding work doing any job that was available. He saved every single penny that he was able to. He kept pushing forward, kept going towards his goal. Soon, he got his real estate license and he began selling homes to other Hungarian immigrants that were coming into Canada. Okay. And this was the launching point for Peter's future career. That seems smart, actually. It is. Making sure that he's actually servicing a niche community yeah. that's in need. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. And that that's what entrepreneurship is, right? It's finding something that's in demand and it's supplying that demand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that I feel like that's really thinking outside the box. They're like, well done. Right. And it's also like, okay, other immigrants from the same country, it's like, they're probably going to go to him because he experienced the same thing. Yeah. He is just like them. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, there's already that trust there. Right. You're from the same country. You experienced the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. You came over. You're an immigrant. You're just like us. You had how much in your pocket when you arrived? You managed to build yourself up. You have this business. You're helping others uh, find houses. Help me too. You're the guy for us. Mm-hmm. You're who we're looking for. Yeah. He's literally like showing that the dream can happen kind of thing. You know? Yeah. So. And I, I understand it's a uh, cliche and it's, we're, we're talking Canada here, but it is quote the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. That American dream does still kind of apply universally mm-hmm. because it's kind of a loose term. Yeah. It's, you know, finding a piece of property, making a family, having a good job, being self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. That's the American dream. It can apply to many different cultures and lifestyles, but it's still that self-sustaining family and having you know, a good life. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's what he's supplying here. Mm-hmm. The American dream in Canada as a refugee. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So in 1962, Peter registered the business name Eden Gardens Limited and began construction on an apartment building in Toronto. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for him. Right? That's impressive. Exactly. So now he's building up these apartments. He's developing. He's developing. Yeah. And guess what? He's probably going to be selling these units mm. to. No shit. Right? Wow. So not only is he getting the like actual real estate portion of it, but he's also the developer portion. He's kind of like double dipping in yeah. that aspect. No kidding. So because of this, Peter would soon become very successful. He become a self-made multimillionaire successful, in fact. Wow. Yeah. He brought, brought his family's name back to that lavish status that it once used to be. He had pride in his name. He had status and he had a love for money. In 1965, Peter now having plenty of money, plus plenty of disposable income at his, at his fingertips, would travel back to his homeland in Vienna. It would be here that he met a 20-year-old beautiful woman by the name of Marina Hunt. Now, Marina was a model and Peter was obsessed with her. And he professed his love for her the second time that they met. Oh, really? Hey, he knew. He knew. Fell head over heels for her. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, holy shit. Like I'm picturing like, the mask, jaw drop, tongue rolls out on the table, eyes bug out of the head sort of thing. Like <laughs> oh the whole cartoony God. thing. Yeah. Now he, like you say, fell head over heels. However, Marina didn't share the same feelings and rejected him. Really? really? He will, and also I'm thinking there's like an age, a, an age gap there, right? There is. Um, I think, I don't know if it's very much. He's probably around like 25 or something like that by, by this time, maybe. Okay. Maybe 30. Okay, but still. Yeah, I didn't really keep track of his age throughout this whole story. Okay, that's fair. No. So, yeah, she didn't share the same feelings, though. And reportedly, this sent Peter into a nervous breakdown that sent him to the hospital 
for three days. Really? Apparently. there, I couldn't find records of this, but I did find a few accounts of people talking about this. Like, yeah, that's interesting. That's really taking it hard. Right? <laughs> like, take it on the chin, man. Come on. You can't handle rejection. Apparently not. So he was in the hospital for three days and then returned to Canada. I guess kind of with his tail between his legs by the sound of it. However, he was persistent and he started writing Marina letters, continuing to profess his love and promised her a life of money and wealth, lavish lifestyle, being looked after, cared for. He sent her gifts, you name it. Hmm. The letters were beginning to be sent back and forth. Marina kind of was stringing them along. Now it'll be the next. Well, probably because she liked the damn gifts. Well, Exactly. She kind of liked the idea of the money, the gifts, yeah. but she wasn't really into him by the sounds of it. However, there was a little bit of a caveat because next year, Peter would come back to be to Vienna and that's when he found out that Marina actually had a boyfriend this whole time. Oh, wow. Yes. But still just like accepting these gifts and writing and shit. Correct. Ooh. So in my assumption, she probably liked this guy but liked Peter's money yeah. and was like, if it doesn't work out with this guy, then I can just go to Peter and you know, that's dirty. So that's kind of the game. I think she was playing here. Now, Peter, of course, when he found out he was furious. Did he end up back in the hospital for a few days? He didn't. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he would actually assault her at her place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Her? I thought maybe it was going to be the boyfriend. No. Now, I couldn't find if the attack was reported or not, so I'm not saying that she went to the hospital, but she was attacked. Um, but either way, Peter would walk away without any repercussions, and I couldn't find the extents of, or the ex how bad the attack, quote unquote, uh, really was. Okay. So, either way, though, it would be two weeks later, while Peter was still in Vienna, that he would meet another woman. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of leaving Marina behind. And Done with her. He sees this other woman, another model by the name of Christina Ferreri, who is 27 years old. Okay. So he has a type. He has a type. Models. Models. Right? Models. <laughs> yep. Um, now the two instantly hit it off. Peter over Christine's beauty and Christine over Peter's money. The day... After they met, Peter whisked her away on their first date, and she would soon move to Toronto with Peter. Oh, okay. So he, it, well, this was much easier. Much easier to swoon her and gain her to be like, hey, come to me. I've got, I've got money. I've got things. You like money things? I've got money and things. <laughs> have, you, did, have you seen a photo of Peter? Uh, yes. Is he a looker or no? Um, Not at all? He wasn't bad looking by any means, no. No? Okay. No, I, I wouldn't say he's like super hot. But I mean, it's like, oh, he's not bad looking. Okay. Yeah. Because for some reason, I'm picturing someone that's like really not attractive at all. No, he's, I don't know. He's just kind of like. Eh. Like an average? Yeah. Average Joe? Yeah. A six and a half, maybe a seven out of 10, something like that. Oh, that's bad. That's yeah. above average. Yeah, it's above average, but he's not like, he's not like a nine or a 10. He's not like smoking hot. You know? Okay. Well, we'll have to put a photo up here and see what other people think. I'm going to have to look at what, <laughs> what he looks like. And, and it, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, my, my, uh, 
judging skills might be off because I mean, this is in the sixties, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, eh, people looked a little different back then too. So that's very true. Standards are different and you know, so yeah. Um, regardless though, the two were happy and they would soon become married on November 14th in 1967. Okay. And they would also welcome their baby daughter named Andrea into the world in 1970. Oh, wow. Yeah. They have a baby. They had a baby. Their life seemed perfect. They, huh. I mean, they're a good looking couple. She was a model. He was a six and a half or a seven. Yeah. <laughs> he was a like multi-millionaire. Yeah. Lots of money. Yeah. Um, they had, you know, new, new child, nice family. What could go wrong? Right. What could go wrong? On the surface, it all looked perfect. But behind closed doors, things aren't always as they seemed. So the once happy couple were quickly growing apart. Now, allegedly, Peter was very controlling of Christine and wanted to know where she was or who she was with at all times, which is generally not the best personality trait to have. Mm -hmm. um, he would also begin to suspect that their daughter, Andrea, was not actually his child. Oh, really? He suspected this, though, because he couldn't see any resemblance between him and the kid. Okay, well, Which, that is absolutely not the, always the case. No, definitely not. You shouldn't be judging if it's your kid because it's like, oh, doesn't quite look like me. Yeah. It's not really a, a jumping point for genetics, you know? I mean, okay, so I, I'm like a photographer, so I take a lot of photos of like kids and parents. And, and sometimes it is unbelievable how striking the resemblance is. It's like it's a mini a mini one of them. You showed me one today, actually. Like, it's like, holy shit. Like, you have nothing to worry about. Like, that is your child. But then there's so many times when it's like, oh, like, oh, it's a mix of you guys. Or I really don't know which one it looks more like, you know. And Did you so. adopt? <laughs> <laughs> so I that is a, not a way to judge here. It's definitely not. But that's kind of what he was going on. So he accused Christine, of course, of adultery. And he also accused many of the men he knew of being the father. Now, there are allegations that Christine was, in fact, not being faithful. So it's hard to tell exactly where the relationship downward spiral really did begin. Okay. Um, but we don't know for sure if she was unfaithful? No. Okay. Uh, either way, though, I mean, Peter's actions had Christine in less than an amused situation. Let's put it that way. So Christine was in over her head with Peter. In fact, even they, before they did get married, even before they did have this kid, um, she would eventually show up at a friend's house with a split lip. Oh. How the injury came about was never actually reported as far as I could find. But she did say to her friend in that visit that she didn't want to be with Peter anymore. Oh, no. Okay. I don't like that at all. No, not cool. No. I mean, I'm pretty sure we can all assume really where that's going. Yeah. So in a desperate attempt to help her friend, uh, she actually had booked a plane ticket right then and there for her to head to back to Vienna and leave the life with Peter behind. Okay. Christine held that ticket in her hand. She wanted to leave. She can go back home, live the life she used to love. But for one reason or another, she couldn't do it. She chose not to get on that plane, but instead to stay with Peter and the whole toxicity of their soon-to-be uh, marriage. 
Well, I mean, gosh, the strength that that would take, especially like when kids are involved, right? Like that's hard. Well, this was prior to having the kid. This was prior. Oh, this was prior to them having the kid. This was even before the marriage. This was even before they had a kid. But still like. But still. No, yeah. It would still be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it's not difficult even in any relationship situation. Yeah. But yeah, having the kid would make it much more complicated. Well, yeah, split like the lip thing is an issue, but then also like how controlling he is too. Like that, I mean, if that's not dealt with, it's not going to get better. Generally, it only gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so whether it was prior to the marriage or now, like the turmoil left a huge stain on the relationship. And because of this, Peter found himself once again reaching out to his previous love, Marina. Seriously? Yes. Okay, I didn't see that freaking coming. He began writing letters once again. Wow. He sent her flowers. He sent her gifts. He sent her money. And then in June of 1973, he found out that Marina was getting married. Okay. Well, yeah. Like, what does he freaking think's happening here? He's not interested. Yeah. Well, when he heard about that, he bought a plane ticket and sent it to her. The plane ticket was for Quebec. He sent her a plane ticket to Quebec, said, come meet me. We're going to have a weekend together. So she did. Wow. Yeah. This shit's messy. Isn't it? Like real messy. (laughs) Yeah. He's married. He's married. She's getting married. And they're now meeting up for a weekend in Quebec. Okay. Right. I wonder if they're going to have some poutine and some. (laughs) What is the other thing? I did not. I did not think you were going to say poutine. Oh, (laughs) gross. I was. Okay. The other thing I was going to say is beaver tail. But it doesn't get any better than shit. Holy shit. Okay. We got to move on. Holy fuck. (laughs) You're killing me. Wow. And the problem is none of that was even planned. That's just me being an idiot. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't think I've ever laughed this fucking hard on this podcast before. You good? Do you need to take a minute? I've got it. I've got this. Okay. So they met up in Quebec for some potential poutine and beaver tail. (laughs) Um, Those are legit food items. (laughs) They are. They are legit Canadian food (laughs) items. Um, And during this time, the two, (laughs) the two would connect over what I presumed to be a very romantic weekend of poutine and beaver tail. (laughs) God, you got to move on from that. Um, And they decided that they actually wanted to spend their life together. Oh, okay. There was... Of course, just one problem. Now, Marina could easily cancel her wedding. She wasn't married yet. Right. But Peter was already married. Did he have a child? Yes. Oh, he and he had a child too yes. at this point. What He's the married. Fuck? He has his kid. Good yeah. God. The only time I backed up was the one okay. split lip thing. Okay, we're back. Okay. We're completely back on track here. Um, so he would need a divorce. And a divorce would mean that he would potentially... Lose mm-hmm. half of everything. Mm-hmm. His money, his company, his possessions, his assets, everything. Yep. So he had a bit of a problem that he needed to solve. So first off, Marina would head back home to Vienna with a ticket already booked to come back to Canada a month later on July 26th. 
So they had a plan, I'm assuming here. Kind of seems like there's a plan. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's so interesting that she just decided that she like liked him now, too. What the heck is that about? Yeah, I mean, money talks, right? Maybe he had enough money. I guess. But I mean, he was, is was the right word lavishing her in gifts and stuff prior to and she didn't budge. So yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so while Marina went back to Vienna, Peter and Christine would spend the upcoming July, um, a weekend in the July, more specifically hosting some friends and some family at their home in Mississauga, which is just outside of Toronto. So on July 18th, 1973, Peter took their guests into Toronto by car and he included making sure that their dog was involved. So he took their whole, all their guests and the dog into the car to go shopping. Now, Christine stayed at home with their daughter, Andrea, as they drove off. So they left her alone at the house to have a relaxing day by the poolside. Now, they would return home for dinner and then leave again to finish their shopping. So during the trip, Peter picked out a nice locket necklace for Christine to give her to to give her for her birthday, which was about a week later. And finally, they would return home at 9.45 p.m. And it would be a long day they had returned home from. So after the long day, Peter pulled up into the driveway, opened the garage door to park their car inside. And it was there that he found Christine laying on the cold cement floor of the garage in a pool of her own blood. Shit. Okay, but for some reason, I feel like this is planned. I think because he brought the dog, but then he didn't bring the daughter. So I'm kind of wondering what the hell is going on there. Well, the daughter by this point, I believe, is three. Okay. Just as for context. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like needs someone watching her. Yeah. But he, like you say, did did make sure to bring the dog. Okay, was well, the daughter okay? I hope, okay, I'm just going to keep listening. I'm listening. Well, to start off with Christine, the back of her head had a very large open wound that was seeping blood onto the floor. Oh. Luckily enough, their daughter Andrea was completely unharmed inside the house. Okay, thank goodness. Peter immediately dialed 911 and told police there was an accident at his house and his wife seemed to have committed suicide. Committed suicide? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel like that would be a way to commit suicide. This N- no. Giant wound on the back of your head. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad what? we're on the same page there. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm just like, what? <laughs> you just seem very like argumentative over that. And I was like, okay, I was going to let you. Well, I'm just, just like, stopped. no. Okay. No, okay. I, I agree. I agree. And she was not alive to clarify. Uh, no. Okay. Dang. Uh, So when authorities arrived at the scene, they rushed into the garage to examine Christine. um, And of course, she was not alive. However, something didn't seem right. This wasn't a suicide and it wasn't an accident. 
It was obvious that Christine had been struck on the back of the head with something. This was a murder scene. Mm-hmm. Peter wouldn't have it, though. He strongly disagreed with that decision. He insisted that if it was not suicide, then it was definitely an accident. Peter, in fact, stood over top of Christine's lifeless body and demonstrated how he believed she must have been climbing on something and reaching up for something else. Then he kind of mimicked her slipping and falling into the position his now deceased wife laid on the floor. Wow. This And should he not be like maybe a little bit devastated you, that his wife is laying like dead on the ground there in the garage? You would think. However, instead, he's standing over top of her and mimicking how he believes she would have got into this situation. Wow, that is a really disturbing visual. Yeah, I I agree for sure. Wow, okay. Um, and of course, though, he wasn't convincing anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they were like, they were able to figure out Christine would have been struck on the back of the head a total of seven times wow. with a blunt object. Holy heck. So seven times with a blunt object is not an accident. No. But I'm also just like, I'm putting, I'm literally in the garage right now, like watching him reenact this. I would just be mortified, I think. Yeah. Mortified. I agree. It would almost be like, it, like you, you, you got, you can't watch, but you have to watch kind of yeah. situation. And the entire time I'd be thinking, what a fucking douche canoe. Yeah. <laughs> like, should we get him a t-shirt? That says douche, douche canoe. canoe. Yeah. And a dunce cap that says douche canoe. Not dunce, just says douche canoe. Mm-hmm. Should make a new fashion statement, eh? There you go. Um, they also actually had found defensive wounds on her hands, showing that she indeed was attacked and she did try and fight back. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So of course it's it's a normal thing to suspect a house or a spouse at first, um, in any sort of case, right? You know, they're usually the, the first suspect. But mixed with Peter's odd behavior, it put a lot of red flags in his direction. His actions, though, weren't the only thing that drew attention from the police. So while they were at the scene investigating, Peter actually willingly divulged some information. Like, uh, for example, their marital struggles, their problems together. He started telling them about that. Uh, And then on top of it all, he told them about a $1 million life insurance policy that he had on his wife. Wow. Yes. This guy just don't, he does okay, he doesn't get it, does he? No. Which he would soon try and take out said life insurance policy. Um, Which is just a little side fun fact for you there. Hmm. So needless to say, though, this was all very significant information for the police. And they brought Peter into the station for questioning. He would, however, be released as they didn't have anything to really charge him with yet. So through their investigation, they found much more interesting evidence. For example, they had discovered a couple weeks prior to Christine's death, she had visited several lawyers. Really? She did. So apparently she knew about the love letters. From Peter and Marina back and forth. Really? Yep. She okay. found them. Okay. I didn't see that coming. Yep. She found them. She read them. She knew Peter's intentions, what he was planning on doing. Um, so she wanted to find if her custody rights over her children were strong enough to have that custody 
for her in the situation if she leaves a relationship. So she's visiting lawyers to find out her rights prior to acting. Huh. Okay. So she's being like a little bit smart then. She is. Unlike, well, no, I'm not even going to say, uh, unlike Peter, I'll just say unlike that. Peter. I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. Well, why do you think Peter's not being smart? Well, he's not, I just feel like he's not really thinking clearly here. Like he's just, he just thinks like, I don't know how to say this appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. Say it. I was just going to say he's just thinking with like his dick. <laughs> he's a chauvinist. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I could have said it that way. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he definitely seems that way for sure. Yeah. Um, so it would be on August 17th, 1973 that police believed they had enough motive and evidence and arrested Peter for murdering his wife. Wow. Brutal. So it would only be five days later, later, however, that he would be released on bail as he maintained his innocence. Now, this obviously doesn't mean he's off the hook, though. He's still being charged, and it would be about a year later that he would appear in court with his team of highly uh, paid lawyers. Gross. Yeah. And he was confident and still maintained his innocence in the process. He even had, I mean, his alibis. He was out shopping with the family and friends, right? She yeah. was at home alone. But he planned that. Are you sure? How could it have been him? <laughs> right? I mean, money can buy you a lot of things. It can. But devil's advocate here. He does have alibis. He was out of the house. He did not kill his wife. No, he physically did not kill his wife. No. So what do you think happened? Well, I don't know. He had he had come up with some sort of a plan. He had a month to get rid of her. And I don't think he, he obviously wasn't going to do the dirty work himself. So he hired somebody. Okay. Hitman. Yeah. Murder Hit for man. hire. Okay. There you go. Gotcha. He paid someone enough money that they would murder his wife for him. Okay. Gotcha. That's my thought. Okay. Just wondering where your head was at. Okay. So as Peter came in with his highly paid team of lawyers, the prosecution, though facing this dream team of lawyers, also came very well prepared. So a man by the name of Saba Siligi was one of Peter's friends. He was also immigrant, an immigrant into Canada. Okay. Peter's known him for a long time. He was, I guess if you could say, the ace up their sleeve. He was a surprise witness to the stand. He testified to having conversations with Peter about plans to kill his wife on multiple occasions. For example, some plans were tampering with her car or electrocuting her in the pool. Holy shit. Now, this was only the tip of the iceberg, though. Just saying, oh, yeah, I had these conversations is one thing. Where's the evidence, right? Well, you see, after Christine's death, Saba was actually working with the police and agreed to wear a wire on visits to see Peter. The prosecution had the evidence they needed. In one of the conversations, police were able to record Peter saying how he is confident they will stay ahead of the police but he is upset with the hitman for killing Christine in a way that he couldn't play it off as an accident. Whoa, really? Yes. 
recorded on tape played in the courtroom. Gosh, that is so disturbing to me. Yep. I feel like, okay, it's the, the main thing that's so disturbing is it's like money is money. Like whatever. Like are you literally going to like not – like this This is like the mother of your kid. Like you can't just like divorce her and like give her money and like go on your merry way. Like you literally have to like murder her. Yeah. That's what's really disturbing. You want to know another disturbing piece that actually I didn't even put in here because it's kind of like benign information. But just to kind of like a – to really show what kind of person he is I guess. Um before the trial actually occurred, so between Christine's death and the trial, his uh, new love, Marina, had moved to Canada. And was she was just waiting. She, she, yeah. So she moved to Canada after the, Christine's death. She moved into the house where Christine had died and was living with Peter in <laughs> oh. said house. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how she could do that because obviously this person's like a monster. Yeah. Like, because lots of times, like, if you're, say, for example, like, you're, you, you're a cheater and you cheat on, like, a, a significant other, the chances are much higher that you're also going to do that with your next significant other as well. Mm -hmm. Kind of like they say a cheater is a cheater, right? Yep. So, like, fuck, if I was her, I'd be, like, running for the goddamn hills. Like, he just murdered his wife. Yeah. Who's to say he's not going to do the same to you? Yeah. When he finds another model that he likes better. Yep. Huh. So there was another witness testimony that would uh, actually tell how Peter had hired a specific hitman, a Hungarian hitman called the duck to do the job. The duck. Um, so the duck was a known hitman. Uh, police knew who he was. However, he had moved back to Hungary and had passed away prior to the police actually being able to catch up and question him about it. Okay. So that unfortunately was a dead end. They weren't able to talk to him about that. So the case was in court for a total of 11 weeks and was a sensation in the national news headlines. The jury deliberated for almost 48 hours before they came back with their verdict. How do you oh, think they, okay. they, uh, what do you think they came back? So, <laughs> I'm literally still just thinking the duck. The duck. Like, could you not have thought of a better name than that? That's, Why not? I, I mean, if you think of it in like, he's going to hit you in the head, you better duck. No. Okay, not, never mind. Still not good. Okay, okay. Um, okay, 48 hours. I also feel like it's not that long. Um, well, it's two full days. I guess. That's two. F I'm assuming two full days of deliberation, not yeah. including breaks and sleeps and okay. stuff. That's my assumption on that. Um, guilty for sure. Okay. Well, he was found guilty of murder for hire. Okay. Yes. So he was sentenced to life in prison. Wow. Yes. However, there are some pieces to this puzzle that we still do need to discuss, even though that he was sentenced to life in prison, he's found guilty. There's a couple little more pieces that we got to, we got to talk about here. So that same friend of Peter's who testified against him in court, Saba, you know, the guy who like the whole wiretap mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, he reported that Christine had actually originally approached him before Peter. What do you mean? So Saba was not a small guy. He was a frequent gym goer and kind of somewhat of like a bodybuilder type guy. Christine approached him, offered to pay him $10,000 to go and break Peter's arms and legs. Oh, but he's Peter's friend though. So that's kind of weird. Correct. 
Okay, here's okay. I thought that there was. I was gonna. Th- I was thinking that Saba, sorry, yeah, was the the father of the baby. Oh, I mean, it, that's what I where I thought this was maybe going, but no. Okay, no. Um. So yeah, she had actually approached wow. him before Peter had talked about killing his wife. Huh. Okay. So she she was thinking making some moves here. Yes. So there's also rumors of her trying to find hitmen as well on Peter. Wow. That is a healthy marriage. So definition. Right. So put it this way. If she approaches Saba and is like, I'll pay you to go break my husband's arms and legs. But then he turns around and tells Peter, yeah, she's trying to pay me to break your arms and legs. Maybe that it's, that was the fuel that started this whole fire. Maybe Peter found out about it her trying to use his own money to have right. him injured like this. Maybe that's what made him finally go through with like having her killed. Yeah. So maybe before he had found that out, but this guy, this Saba guy is almost like playing both sides in a sense. It seems I don't all of a sudden don't really like him, but um, is he though? Or is he just speaking? He went in court and told and, te- and testified. He wore a wire for authorities. I guess. How is he playing both sides? Well, he was listening to the wife and then went and told Peter what her intentions were. But then now he's also listening to Peter's ill intentions. Okay. Put it this way. What if she never went to Saba for a hitman to hire? What if she just went to Saba being like, break his arms and legs? And he's like, oh shit, I got to tell Peter that she's trying to do this. So he goes to Peter. He's like, yeah, she's trying to get your arms and legs broken. She offered me money. And then Peter's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to hire a hitman. I'm going to get her fucking killed. I'm going to electrocute her in the pool or fuck with her car or whatever. And then Zaba's like, holy shit. Now you're trying to kill her. I'm going to go to police because this is just way out of control. Okay. I take it back. What if that's how it played out? Yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. Yeah, that could be. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm cool with him again. You're cool with him again? Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, regardless of how this did play out one way or another, Peter is behind bars for life. He did hire someone to kill his wife. Um, however, he wouldn't stay there. What? He would be released on parole in 1983. Why? Well, why doesn't really matter because shortly thereafter, he tried to have his cousin's son kidnapped and killed. So he needed to be stayed in, like, stay kept in jail. What the heck? Yes. So Peter's daughter was being cared for by his cousin. Okay. Uh, and his cousin was also looking after his fine after Peter's financial situation and stuff while he was in jail. Okay. So Peter didn't think his daughter had been raised properly and that his funds had been mismanaged in his absence. So he wanted to gain revenge on basically a lack of due care. And so he tried to have his cousin's son kidnapped and killed. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. This is really fucked. Yeah. However, Peter was caught in the process and would receive another two life sentences for his crimes. Okay. So a total of three life sentences now under his belt. Now in 1988, Peter again tried to orchestrate a similar plot, this time on his former lawyer. While he's in jail. Yeah, from behind bars. He tried to hire someone to kill his daughter. His, oh, 
Okay. No, not his own daughter. Oh, his lawyer's like, daughter. Okay. No. I couldn't take that if it was his own daughter. No, he okay. tried to hire someone to kill his lawyer's daughter. Okay. Yeah. But again, Peter was caught and he received another two life sentences. Wow. For a grand total of five life sentences behind bars. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah, he's not learning. <laughs> no. Um, Peter still claims his innocence and says <laughs> he never hired some, he would never hire someone to hurt his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You're really, really showing that. After being caught another two more times. Holy for, like, shit. Hiring that's Hitman. comical almost. Right? And it's, there was another judge that was kind of going on record. I, I never took the quote. I wasn't going to talk about it either. Um, but it's, it's kind of perfect to actually talk about it. Uh, the, the judge is talking about how many psychopaths as they get older they kind of mellow out however with peter it seems to be reversed the older he gets the crazier he seems to become hmm. so and who know like gosh if you're aware of him like fucking watch your back yeah like he's probably going to be sending a hitman after yeah. you. yeah we might have someone after us from this episode uh no <laughs> that's terrifying no he's he's got no power he's he's nothing he is forever behind bars he is apparently one of like canada's most notorious murderers like hmm. some brutal shit taken very serious i do have to say though that is a lot i've i've on our podcast heard many people do Okay, what he's doing is terrible, like terrible. But we've had stories where people do like a lot worse and they don't have that kind of time sentence that they're facing. That's true. Which I don't love, but yeah, I seem to, I needed to get that off my chest. Well, sometimes justice is unjust, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he should spend his life behind bars. Totally agree. However, there are some people who probably should as well, and they get much lighter sentences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so can we just recap for one moment here? Yes. So he went, he's trying, to, He so he went ahead and he murdered his wife with a hitman. Yes. She was also trying to do some shit to him, but was too slow. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. So then he's in jail. He has his cousin looking after his kid and his money, but he thinks that they're doing a shitty job. So then he just puts another hitman on the cousin's kid. Yes. But the, that's, the kid lived, right? Yes. Okay. So then he also now is after his lawyer's kid. Why yes. is it always the kids? Why not just going after the lawyer? I don't know. I mean, I guess that'd be, that'd be quite a... Go after the loved one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that kid was fine too. Yes. As far as I know. So, yes. Okay. So who the fuck's next? Hopefully he is. Yeah. Good gosh. Yeah. The fact that he still has that kind of power in jail and stuff is kind of scary. Well, money does a lot, right? Yeah. So I don't think he's ever going to be able to access his money ever again, though. Money is kind of evil, actually, at times. It, it corrupts a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it can do it can do good, but um, it is. It, easily corrupts people i mean money is the root of all evil they say right so mm -hmm. yeah so that is um yeah that's the episode wow yeah that would have been a roller coaster and a half to research like i don't think i i mean i also can understand why that took you longer than usual because i would be like 
what the fuck am I doing with my life researching <laughs> this case? Like it was all over the place and a little bit nuts. Yeah. And like I said at the very beginning, like people strive for so many things. And yeah. once they get there, they almost seem unsatisfied. And that's exactly what this was. No he kidding. he knew what his family used to have. And he strived for that or strove for it or how you want to say, I don't know the proper fucking term. My apologies. But he made his way to that. Mm -hmm. And he actually far beyond and exceeded as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And then he just wasn't happy. Yeah. That's a good intro with this one. Yeah. Now, there is a but. Because Marina, some say that was his original love. And he even conf was confessing to some people before, like, yeah, I love this girl. Christine was my second choice. Wow. Yeah. But Marina turned me down. So maybe he just never was fully happy because he never did get what he wanted. But I also have that feeling that because he did have money, he did have a beautiful wife. He did have a kid. He did have it all. Even if he did get Marina, I still don't think he would be happy. Probably not. No, there'd no. be something else. Yeah. The grass is, it's not always greener on the other side. And as I said in the beginning, it's often the journey rather than the destination that people enjoy. Mm -hmm. We don't tend to notice it, but. Yeah. The excitement building up for going on vacation. And then you're on vacation. You just kind of sit there. You're like, ah, it's nice. But that excitement is gone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because then in the blink of eye, it's just over again. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, oh, I'm ready to go home. Want to sleep in my own bed. You know, those sort of things start. Your vacation wasn't quite what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. What? It's the journey. That just seems such a downer thing. No, it's all about the journey. It is. It's looking forward to what you can do next. Yeah. It's working towards your next goal. Yeah. Something to look forward to and stuff. Yeah. Is important. Exactly. Uh, and I think Peter uh, lost himself on, on his journey. No shit. No. I mean, yeah, I just feel like, I mean, it's so much easier to be like on the outside and like thinking it through maybe a little bit more without emotions and stuff. But I'm like, oh, it always there is. could have been some better ways to get out of that for you. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I would saying. think I would really think. Um, oh. But yeah, that was uh, Peter and Christine Demeter. Um, if you like this episode, we appreciate that. Appreciate you guys sticking around. Feel free to check out the links below. Like I said, um, I'll be putting some Madison Scott stuff down there below below for you to check out you can also check out our social medias instagram facebook uh, we do have a twitter we've never used it hardly ever oh however i started using it again today oh yes okay so Good i am you. going to start posting on there and fearful the new podcast starting on june 1st okay. starring jacko that's in like two days or so yeah Woo! so be sure to listen for that it's exciting it's coming out soon so yeah, thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Want to give us a five-star review? That'd be cool. Yes, please. If not, you're here and we appreciate that. That's amazing. So thank you so much. And until next time. Stay wicked. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.